Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie, and with me, as always, is... Hey, everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. After your insane outcry last week at our late podcast, we're recording at the normal time this week. Yeah, no one says boo until we say something about the podcast, and all of a sudden, I always listen to it on time. I was silently outraged, blah, blah, blah. Well, here you go, whiners. We're not going to say it's not going to happen again because it will, but it's not going <laughs> to totally happen this will. week. So how about that? Yeah, we're back. We're back on track. Um, getting excited, getting ready to uh, spend a weekend playing games with some friends. Um, it's at like our our local, well, where we normally go for church camp in the summer. Um, and so I've had to label it like friends camp because I don't know what else to call it for my kids to understand. But God. Uh, just like casual laid back game playing, which I love. Yeah, yesterday one of them said, are we going to go to class? Are we going to have class when we're at camp? No, not this camp. There's no there's no uh, Bible classes. It's just hanging out. I was like, no, this is friends camp. <laughs> we spend time just for friends. And then my other daughter got was like, well, but we we don't. And not everybody is our family when we go to family camp. And I'm like, no, it's called family camp because families go there together. Oh, jeez, <laughs> all over me, semantics. The kids need to just uh, know their role, and we'll take them where they need to go. How about that? I, I know. Like I never asked my parents like that. I'm like, they said we were going here. We just went. I never. My parents were never home long enough for me to ask them anything. So They just went. They didn't tell you. Nope. <laughs> you they, weren't they, going, so they didn't have to tell you. They left me at home, and I fend for myself. They're, our kids are lucky. See, our kids are spoiled. They are spoiled. They don't, they don't know how good they got it. <laughs> It's true. All right. So let's talk about some news crowdfunding. This is what I should say to our riveted. You don't know how good you got it. We give you a new podcast every week and we're one day late and everyone acts like, oh, we care. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If we didn't say something, they wouldn't care. Pancakes again. It's exactly what it's like. Yep. If you've never seen the movie Be Cool, highly recommend well, it. Yeah, you should you'll watch underst- it because it's hilarious. You, you'll understand my pancakes again reference. Um, news and crowdfunding this week. The, I had, I don't want to say a tough time. There are lots of different things out there. Um, and my lovely correspondent in the field, Fan Zero, sends me some. And then sometimes I just don't listen to anything he sends me. I'm sorry, Mike. Um because I'm just like, well, I don't really want to talk about that. I'm a ter- I'm terrible. I'm a terrible news correspondent. Although, isn't that how real news works? They only talk about what they're interested in. Hmm, food for thought. I'm yeah, it is, it's exactly a, a real life scenario, situation, real life example. Yep. <laughs> uh, anyway, there was one on GameFound, but I have trouble with that site. And I felt like it didn't tell me enough that I needed to know. So I said, forget it. So my old faithful Kickstarter... I the first game I want to talk about is a game I really shied away from. This is uh, a game from Alley Cat Games, but the more I looked at it, the more I'm like, "Dang, it looks really good." And that game is Autobahn. This also <laughs> another reason I also like this game is because the name makes me think of one of my favorite movies, which is <laughs> um, <laughs> I just keep thinking about it. Big Lebowski. They're, the Big Lebowski. The Nihilist <laughs> Donnie. They won't hurt us. Autobahn. So this game, Autobahn, is actually about, you know, the road. Autobahn. In this game, you are doing all kinds of things, which is why I think it looks really cool. Like, it is a super crunchy, meaty game. There's also a couple little mini expansions that come in the Kickstarter edition um, to make it, I think, even more. So you are, you've got these project cards that you're playing that... They are your um, actions, and you can also upgrade them as you go along. You've got tech trees on your player board that you are advancing to get better actions and more scoring. You are um, working, you've got your workers, and you're going to assign them to different places, and you're going to promote them, the employees, to like different departments. So you are improving like your building on the autobahns of Germany and upgrading roads and creating these connections. And then you're also delivering goods on those roads to pick them up and deliver them for customer orders. And then 
to continue kind of your monopoly of roads, you can um, build service stations and those are going to give you scoring points as well and like bonuses. Um, you're paying money to um, grow these autobahns, to grow your department, get more money, budget for yourself. Um, so you've got delivery trucks on your board. You've got service stations on your board. You are moving up in these keys to unlock new things. You are um, upgrading these tech trees to make you better at your road improvements and your service stations and all of that. Like, whew. I mean, there are so many cool things to do in this game. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, it just looks amazing. There's also a solo version as well um, with, like, a you're playing its Autobot, Automa, Automa, Automata, Autom, I don't know how to say that word. And it's got variable difficulty for it as well. So if you are a solo player, you can do that as well. This, it just looks real good. It looks real good. Now, to get the mini expansions, which is like service station mini expansion, there's a road traffic and there's a wine import. Um, you're going to have to get the Kickstarter edition, which is a little more expensive than the retail edition. But there are so many different paths to victory, different ways to play this, because uh, you're managing all these different parts of your little Autobahn contribution empire also um one of the designers nest nestor man man joni well, i don't know one of the italians obviously we love the italians when i shied away from it because i said it was like a worker placement economic game i'm like gosh i hate economic games but i think it can work with this economy it looks good. It looks good. So if you like cars, the Audubon, if you like the Italians, if you like cool meeples, because there are a ton in this, you need to check out Audubon uh, on Kickstarter. There's five days left. The retail pledge is $56. The Kickstarter edition, which has the little mini expansions, is $63. So not a big difference to get those little expansions there in what looks like a freaking crazy, amazing game. So check it out. That's Autobahn. Oh, yeah. This is one I want to back for sure. But, man, it's I looked it up and the shipping is like 30 bucks or something. That's right there's now. A, there's a ton so, of stuff in it. Yeah, but that's right now. Who knows what it will be? It could go higher. I mean, so you're paying. This is just my issue. I'm paying $56 for a game. And then thirty to forty dollars more for shipping. That I I can't justify that. That's crazy to me. But the game looks amazing, and I want it. But I'm not I'm not going to do that. Well, you can always hope a retailer will get it. That's true. That is true. Probably Gaming Goat. I'm sure they'll get it. <laughs> you can talk to them about it. So, like, you're the managing director of the German Bundes Autobahn organization, and so you're responsible for expanding and developing the iconic autobahns of Germany. I found a much better overall description of the game build and upgrade roads place service stations to export goods and promote employees to build your reputation and control the most prestigious seats in the administration that's better than everything i said before it was kind of a cluster at the beginning sorry guys but again like i like upgrading a player board you know i like that there are multiple things to get done in this and you get bonuses for all kinds of different things that you're playing like that's that's cool and actually i i think that the theme is kind of cute so that's Audubon. The next game I want to talk about is, uh, I got to say, I feel kind of bad talking about this because we talk about how there are some games that probably don't need to be a Kickstarter based from some companies. And I, I got to wonder why they're still on Kickstarter. But this game looks really interesting. And that's Wayfarers of the South Tigris. This is the newest Shem Phillips game from Garfield Games. I mean, I guess I don't know how big their company is. I just feel like with all the success of the other games in the series, why are we still on Kickstarter? Cashing in the money, cashing the checks, rolling in the millions. Honestly, I've, I've talked with Jason about this before, and I think, I think the reason why companies use Kickstarter instead of just like producing the game, even if they can, is because it's marketing. At this point, it is the collective place 
where everyone can find out about a new game. They can advertise it. I mean, yes, there's cons, but we've seen that cons can kind of go in the way of the past um, through the pandemic. And so I think that Kickstarter is is just marketing for a lot of people. Um, I think that's why they do it. But what do I know? I barely know any publishers or designers anyway. But Wayfarers of the South Tigris. There have been some of the Shem Phillips games I've been like, eh, you know, I've seen other games do it or do it better. Or it's not my cup of tea. This seems really intriguing. So you are these explorers, cartographers, astronomers that are located in Baghdad. And you're going to go out and map the surrounding land, the waterways, the sky. So you've got your own caravan of workers. You've got equipment. You've got to report things back to your journal, to the House of Wisdom in order to impress the caliph. And you're trying not to get lost. So the there's Khalif work- don't like it. I changed the word. You did. Um, <laughs> moving on. We are not rocking the Casbah in this game. Okay. There's worker placement. There's dice placement. There's tableau building. I love all of those things. They all speak to me. Absolutely. That's the kind of stuff I really like. Um, there's a hundred card tableau cards to build your tableau so they're unique um the main board has several different tiles that like parts that can be kind of flipped around so that really helps with your replayability as well um you've got your own player boards that have a unique side um for each of those so i really feel like this has worked hard to um kind of really make a great player experience, maybe a little more gamery in some aspects. You know, there's space cards, there's land cards, there's water cards. So I like that you're kind of appealing to all different kinds of themes that people like. Um, and like the townsfolk, the art is obviously fantastic. Um, these cool townspeople, inspiration cards. You've got these dice, you've got markers. And I, it just looks like a really cool game um because it's not just like oh we get in our boat and we sail around and you you know like or we fight some things i really like that it appears that there's a lot more going on in this game i would know more about it but i refuse to watch a video if you can't tell me in words how to play the game i'm not down for that but from the little they did write it does look really, really fun. I mean, worker placement, dice placement, tableau building. Yes, yes, yes. A great arc, cool components. You know, we expect good things from Sean Phillips and Garfield games. And I don't think this is going to be exception. So if you have liked any of his previous games, I will not take time to mention them here. You know what they are. If you don't. Look him up. Five counts. Um, <laughs> like I could give you to Raiders of the North Sea. All of those types of games. Wayfarers of the South Tigris, the newest one. There's five days left in that Kickstarter, and the base pledge is 45 bucks, which I think is, is a really on par for all of those games. Yeah, that's not bad. I think the theme is amazing. I, I, could, I don't know this, but I mean, how many games are there that take place in Iraq and Baghdad right. and that right. area? I mean, yeah, there's like trading in the Mediterranean, but you don't have Iraq and Baghdad. I think that's a cool, cool theme for a game that you don't see all the time. So, you know, I give them props for that. I don't I don't know much about the game. I haven't watched anything on it. I'm assuming it's a good Euro game because he makes pretty good Euro games. But theme alone, I like it. Yeah, and I think there's so much, like, a lot of the original, like, astronomers, those things we talk about, Magi, they came from that area. And this is kind of how, what you're doing in that, which I think is really awesome. So, yeah. My last one. I, I've been waiting to talk about this, and I probably could have waited another week. Um because I normally try to talk about things that are leaving Kickstarter within like the next week or so, just because I want to be timely. And if you're listening as it goes on, um, you know, it's a chance to check out some things before they go away. Uh, Those of you that aren't listening concurrently, I'm just really annoying you and blowing it out of the water. Um, But this last game, I saw it the theme automatically attracted to me, attracted to me. Um, One of our listeners, I think it was Scott um, sent this to me in a in a, a PM, and I was like, "Dude, I'm totally talking about that." And I've been waiting and waiting, and I really want—I should wait another week, but I'm not. 
So the game we're going to talk about after all that buildup is Broken and Beautiful. It's a game about kintsugi. So if you're unfamiliar with kintsugi, it is the Japanese art of restoring broken things like pottery, but when you are piecing them together, you use gold to repair them. And so then this broken item is restored and even increased in value because you've used this gold lacquer to repair this broken pottery. It's really interesting. I could give you a whole life lesson about that um, and the beauty of that and everything, but I won't. I'll just let it speak for itself. It's also a Death Cab for Cutie album title, which is cool. Okay, great. Um, it is great. Just in case we have a bunch of like old school emo people out there. There you go. <laughs> uh, so what Broken and Beautiful is, it is a drafting card game with some set collection. So there are seven types of pottery. You've got serving trays, storage boxes, um, cups, saucers, all all these different types. And collecting them in different groups is how you get points. What's really interesting is, so each card type scores differently. So for example, cups have got one point. But if you have a cup plus a saucer in a pair, you get to multiply the value of the cup by two. Now, as you're collecting, it happens that things get broken and broken items are worthless unless you choose to repair them. But in order to repair them, you need gold. And so this is where you get a little like strategery going on because you can collect your cards for set collection points or you could turn them in for gold. And so you're always choosing to give up a card in a set in order to be able to get gold to repair broken cards. So if you repair like a cup, a repaired cup is worth three points. And if you've got a saucer, you can multiply that. A re- like normally you repair it, you, you uh, multiply it by two for a saucer. If you repair the saucer as well as a cup, you multiply the cup's value by three. So there's this really interesting, like trying to get the most out of what you have. What am I going to be able to repair? What am I going to exchange in order to repair um, in order to get gain the most points from this? I, I just love that. I love simple card games that give you really um, strategic choices. I love that. Love that. Absolutely. Um, so this, I mean, this plus the theme, who doggy? Yeah, I'm, I'm in, I'm in. Um, so they've got, what's also great about this is the pricing. So if you want to check this out, Broken and Beautiful, a game about Kintsuge, 14 days left on Kickstarter. So we got time, people. Even if you're a week behind the podcast, you got time, my friends. Um, base pledge, $16. $16. Fantastic, right? However, that's the standard. It's for maximum portability because all in a little box, best economy. And I'm like, thank you. You get everybody. You get Jason. Yeah, I appreciate it. You got the cubes. You got the nice artwork. Right. If you want to go deluxe, deluxe, which I do because instead of just the cubes for gold, you get freaking metal ingots. Okay. They are awesome. Actual bits of gold. That'd be sweet. They're awesome. And they've got like an upgraded like first player marker. Um, they're going to upgrade the box. It looks great. Now, is it necessary? No, but I want it anyway. If you're like me and you want it, $30 for deluxe. What? Yes, I said it, $30 for deluxe. I- yeah, this this game sounds cool. It, when you were talking about it, it reminded me of that archaeology game, you know, that has like the sandstorms and stuff. Oh, yeah. Some of the gameplay that you were talking about reminded me of that, where you're trying to collect different sets of things, and if it's uh, completed, and you, you know, so yeah, th- I do like a good card game that's interesting and not just you know, hey, I collected three of these cards. Um, so this one seems kind of cool. It may be one that I could I could back for you. Maybe. <gasps> what he's saying that just so all of you can hear it, and then outside he's like, no, I'm never doing that. That I'll never. I'll just take it away from you. I'll rip it out of your hands. You see the kind of things I have to deal with. No, this does sound really good though. Like, um, I think the 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 theme is really cool too. I didn't even know what Kintsugi was other than the Death Cab album. Uh, so when I when you oh, told yeah. me about this, I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I like it. Yes, it is really cool in general. I'd love to have like a piece of Kintsugi pottery. Kintsugi pottery. Um, but I love that as a theme for the game. I love it as like a metaphor for life. 
Um, I don't, I could get philosophical about it, but then, you know, it's this beautiful little card game and I love little box games. I love card games that are easy to teach, um, easy to play with fun themes and strategic choices. So check out Broken Beautiful, 14 days left, $16 is your base pledge. And that's all I have for news. Yeah, those are some good ones. Good job. Good job. I I like this news today. Oh my gosh. Like I do a good job every week. What, who are you? I just really like these games. I, um, sometimes you sneak one in this like a uh, uh, role playing adventure dungeon crawl thing. These are all I, I like these. I like these. I do what I can. All right. So next up, we have some games that we played, and we actually played a decent amount of games this week with a couple different groups, and we played some interesting games. So we'll just get started. Uh, The first game that we're going to talk about is, I don't know, it just recently came out. It's kind of a new hotness, apparently. I don't don't know. It's a roll-and-write horse racing game called Long Shot the Dice Game. Now, if you know anything about our channel, we like horse racing games. Well, I do. I like them a lot. Home Stretch, Camel Up. It's not horses, but it functions. It's effectively the same thing. Yeah, I like them. And, uh, you know, it's what's not fun about betting on a horse to cross the finish line first, second, or third, owning the horse so you get extra cash. What's not great about that? Well, Long Shot the Dice Game basically takes a home stretch, streamlines it, simplifies it down into one fast race. You're playing, you can play up to eight people, six, yeah, one for every horse, eight people. It plays fast, 30 to 45 minutes. And effectively what you're doing is on your turn, you're going to roll these dice, two dice, it's going to have a number of a horse, so one through eight, and a number that they're going to move. So if I roll eight and I roll two, eight will move two. The interesting thing is every horse is going to have some kind of secondary movement that's also going to move other horses and maybe themselves. As the game progresses, you're going to be crossing those off. So you're going to roll the die, move the horse, move the other horses, and then everyone's going to take one of five different actions. You're going to bet on a horse to win. You're going to buy the horse that was rolled. Um, you're going to cross off a helmet, which is going to let you bet after a certain point. You're going to cross off a jersey, which is going to uh, let you cross off some of the secondary movement cards. Or you're going to mark off in your concession stand. And you're trying to get as much money as you can so you can bet. You're trying to own horses. So if they're going to cross the finish line, you want to get extra money and all that kind of thing. And it just it's easy to play. Everything's right there. You write it down. You cross it off. Done. I like this one. Um, it might be a home stretch killer for me just because it's so fast. But I do, I do really enjoy it. So, what do you think about this one? Well, at first, when you started talking about it, I thought you were talking about the other game where you want to be last. And I was like, wait a minute, you don't want to be last in this one. No, we're not going to talk about that game. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> this game is is really is good. I am terrible at it. Still, I'm not sure. It's basically it's like a it's like a roll and write. It is. Yeah, it it is a roll and write. Yeah, for sure. But it's like mixed with like a little bit more. Like I've seen roll and writes with boards go bad. Where they try to make a roll and write heavy, and I'm like, why? Just make a really good regular game. But I think this has a really great balance between marking things on your card and moving the horses out there. Like it's basically just a so you can physically see the representation of it. Right. Um, yeah, I'm really bad at this game, but it's still fun because I do love that horse racing element. It's obviously pure luck for the most part as far as what rolls come up, but you're also trying to make good decisions. Um, I. You have to buy a winning horse, and I can't... You, you have to, yeah. I can't ever do it. Like, I just don't. Um, it just never works out, and I never use any of the wild spaces, and that's probably why. Yep, yep. Um, But, I, yes, I think it's a really fun one. It's a little bit more complex to teach compared to some rolling rights, um, but I think I think it's it's good. I liked it. Yeah, and uh, it says in the rule book that you're supposed to take turns doing all the actions, but the way we played it, we just did it all at the same time, and if someone wanted to buy a horse, then we'd go in turn order, because that's the only thing that really matters, because there's only one of every horse. So, like, if I was the one rolling the dice, I'm first player, so if I wanted to buy that horse, no one else could buy it, because I already bought it. So, I would recommend playing it at the same time. It cuts about 15 minutes off the game, probably. As long as you're not playing with cheaters. That's true. Well, that's that's a given. Don't play with cheaters. All right, so the next game is a game that I think Katie covered in the news when it was on Kickstarter. And I did. We, we actually found this at a game store when we were out, I don't know, driving around being crazy. And the game is called T-Scones and Arsenic. 
And this is effectively, it's a, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's a party game, but it only plays up to six players, which that doesn't count constitute party to me. But what you're doing in this is you are trying to eat cookies with that to get the most points, but you won't want to eat so many cookies that are poisons because somebody poisoned these cookies and you're reaching into the cookie jar and you're reaching out, of, you're getting a cookie and you're trying to eat more than everybody else, but also not eat so many poison ones that you die. It's a, a push your luck, uh, bluffing game, a little bit of take that and plays in, I don't know, 10 minutes. And that's effectively the game. You reach in, grab a cookie. You see if it's a cookie you want to keep. If you want to keep it, you put it in your cup. If you don't want to keep it, you can spend a sugar cube of which you have three and you can put it back in the cookie jar. And then everyone else is going to keep going. You're going to keep doing that. And eventually you can say you're going to stop. If I'm happy with how many cookies I have, I can stop. Other people then have to take two more cookies in what are called honor rounds. And then if they die, they die. If they're still alive, they can decide to keep going or they can stop. More honor rounds and all that kind of thing. And you're either trying to be the last person alive or have the most points when everybody stops. So that's it. Um, we played it with our youngest daughter. Really simply, we didn't use any of the special like coupons and uh, spoons and stuff. But then she played with us again and we used the spoon. Um, and we played with some adults and her. It, it, it's a silly good time. It's just chaos and fun. And the cookies are nice and make me want to eat some cookies. So what do you think about this? Um, I obviously really like it because I covered it on a Kickstarter segment. And I forced you to buy it <laughs> against your will. I mean, it was only 20 bucks, so I'm, you know, I can do that. I know. I, I thought it was a steal. It comes in like a tin, which I think is important. And obviously, if you're going to have cookies, you need a tin. Um, they're called, it's like a French-made game, and they call them scones, even though they're clearly biscuits, if you're British, um, which is the setting of the game. Uh, so I keep, they're, they're biscuits. You've got either, Jimmy Dodgers. And, I, I call them cookies. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> yes. We're, we're Americans. to call them cookies. The, it's, they're really cool components, the cookies in there. Uh, the special cookies are fun because you're like, what's going to come out? Um, the push your luck, obviously, we're total suckers for that. That's why I knew. I'm like, Jason, you're going to like this game. I swear to it. Uh, the idea of like, I want to stop because I obviously don't want to keel over from poison is important and I want to do it at a time where I want to push other people who are too close to being poisoned, I think. Um, but that gives them opportunity to get more cookies. But if you use a sugar cube to put back like a really poisonous cookie after you've looked at it, like you again, don't increase your amount of cookies, which is how you win. I just imagine Cookie Monster playing this game and it made me laugh. I just. <laughs> oh, he'd be dead real fast. <laughs> the cookie, cookie. No, I don't want to put the cookie back. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun to play with kids because you can easily make it real level. It's nice because again, you know, working on addition, you're adding up the number vials of poison. Although maybe we're the only people that want to play games about like being poisoned by arsenic with our children. But uh, you know, we might be a little bit morbid, I guess, on this side of things. I mean, it's barely. It's just hey, you have too many bottles, you're done. <laughs> to be fair, Rory's favorite movie for a while was Coraline, and that movie creeps me out. So. We're all a little gothic, I guess, over here. Um, it is fun to play with kids. The components are fun to handle. The cookies in your own little um, teacup. There's the little addition of the spoon that if you want to, that you can use to wrap people on the knuckles to put back a cookie that you might think would be good for them. Of course, Jason always uses it on our youngest daughter and it lets her put back like three vials of poison every time. I know. She doesn't. Yeah, she's bluffing me and it makes me mad. <laughs> yes. Um, well, you don't expect somebody to keep a three poison cookie, so yes, but this is Roy we're talking about. I know, yeah. and you just use it on her to irritate her because that's what you do. You poke the bear. That's true. You're right. <laughs> I know. Um, but it's it's fun, and then even with adults, you know, it's fun. And when you die, you can be really dramatic about your death or whatever, or you, you can play this up and get your British accents out and sip your tea or whatever. Like, there's lots of ways to go with this. It's just a fun push your luck little game, and you know, you can play it once and then like, okay, everybody got it. Let's do it again, like really quick. Um, I I really enjoyed it. I think it was a good buy. Yeah, we played when we played it with the adults. We played it back to back, and the second time everybody played it differently, which was interesting. The first time they're like, oh, I'm just going to eat some cookies. The next time they're like, hmm, let me think about this cookie for <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I need to use some strategy this time. Yeah, it's a fun little game. If, if you like, uh, you know, party games that can play in 10, 15 minutes, push your luck and, 
Definitely, if you can find it, play it. It's, it's enjoyable. It's a good time. It's not something I want to play all the time, but it's fun. It's a nice way to like, start off the night or kind of go in between heavier games. Like, it's a nice filler. Um, or if, you know, everybody is going to be talking too much and they're not going to pay attention to a real game, I think it's a good one to pull out. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Thank you. The next game we're going to talk about, we also bought with T-Scones and Arsenic. But this one is not about poison and killing people. This is about enjoying the nature, I think in Japan. And mm-hmm. it is yeah. called Momiji. Not to be confused with Namiji. This is Momiji. Like Mo Money, Mo Problems. Momiji. <laughs> and <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and this is a, it's a little Biggie. card game. <laughs> it's a little card game where you're trying to... I, I don't know what the theme is exactly, but you're trying to go out and see as many different kinds of trees that you can. And the way that that plays out in the game is you're trying to collect different sets of a certain certain colors of leaves. And depending on the number of players, there's a certain amount or a certain number of different colors. So in the three-player game, I think there were five different colors of leaves. And what you're doing on your turn is you're either going to take a set of these leaves from the display out in the center of the table, or you're going to be playing some cards down in front of you. And the way that you play a card is you have to start with a zero and all the, the leaf types go to from zero to three. You have to start with a zero and you can either play on the same color pile. So I can put down a couple zeros or I can play multiple colors that are next to each other in my display. And you're going to be matching some acorns, which is kind of the, the funkiest rule of everything. You're going to match some acorns to score some points, but you're trying to get as many of each type of leaf as you can with the highest number on top. Because at the end of the game, you're going to multiply how many leaves you have in that pile times the number on top. So if you get a three and you get a whole pile of leaves, you're going to get a lot of points. There's a little more to it than that. There's some special abilities. You can use these landscape tiles that will let you break some rules, let you pick up more cards, play more cards, play cards out of order, that type of thing. But effectively, you're gathering cards and you're playing cards, doing some set collection type thing. It's It looks amazing. The art is great. Um we bought this on theme alone because you know how we feel about Asian. Well, how Katie feels about Asian <laughs> themes. So, yeah. And we played it. It's it's a, a pretty f- nice, f- fun little game. Not like super stressful. Just collecting cards, playing some cards, and having a good time. So, what would you think about this one? Again, this is another game that I forced Jason to buy. But I'm like, well, it's a small box game. So, you know, since he's a cheapskate, he'll probably let me buy it. Because, oh, my gosh, it's beautiful. The artwork is gorgeous. Um, the front cover, there's this, uh, it looks like Fiji with these beautiful trees. It's just so pretty. And so it's really about collecting autumn leaves from the Imperial Garden in ancient Japan. If you want to get technical on the theme, which Jason doesn't. And again, this is another one of those small box games with cards that I find that you have to make really clever strategic decisions. Um, the it's card drafting. So the cards are out there in these piles and you're like, okay, well, I really want these red leaves because I've got a three in my hand, which is going to allow me to multiply whatever cards I have in there by three, but I have to start with a zero. I need to get a zero. Well, there's a zero and two twos out on the red. Well, I don't have any ones. I can't go from a zero to a two unless I spend an acorn, which is giving away a point. No, I spend three acorns. Yeah. Th- uh, to do what? To like use your special power to skip it's one acorn for that it's three acorns to take one of the objective tokens okay so yeah so you're giving up a point to then flip over one of your powers which is these gorgeous landscapes also by the way and there are several different ones so like there's a lot of variability player like replayability to this um you're going to give up a point in order to maybe skip the fact that I'm not going to, I don't have a one and go right to two. But then that also means I'm discounting all ones that might come out from now on that are going to add to my scoring total. And then if I want to score an objective token, I have to give up three points and really hope that I'm the one that wins that objective because 10 points is a good trade. But if, so if I score on someone else's, I only get three. So I mean, there are a lot of great choices, plus it's so beautiful. Little box plays quickly. For me, it plays too quickly. I want longer, which I think is a sign of a good game. Um, it's, again, another Japanese-themed um, card, little card game that I really like. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I felt like it was a good gamble. Yeah, I liked it. I would like to – I don't know how – 
I, it might be better at more players, I think, because there's more card shuffling around. But you do play with less cards at less players, so maybe mm. it works itself out. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I do, I do enjoy it. It's a, a set collection, you know, card playing game with really nice art. And the cards are really nice quality, too. So it's all just done really well. I like it. And it's from Japanime, and it doesn't necessarily feel like a Japanime game, which is interesting. No. Uh, I don't know, because it reminds me of, like, Kagakure. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's is not that, Japanime. But that's no. em, is that Emperor's 4? No. Oh. Studio H. Oh, it feels like one of their games, I think. Yeah, yeah it does kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. Anyway, it was good. I liked it. It was worth it. All right, so those are three of the games we played. Let's get moving. Okay, so we are continuing on in our... Um, publisher series, I guess we could call it. I don't have a good catchy name. Um, and we're working through the game, the publishers that we own a good amount of their games, just not enough to make separate like top fives. So today we are talking about Arcane Wonders. And I got to tell you, um, we've got a top eight. These are all the ones we own and have played. And these are all so stinking good. Like, I had such a hard time ranking these because Jason did his, like, Excel wizardry, and we each ranked them, and then he put them together, and whatever. It's math. I don't understand. Um, I had a hard time deciding where these went because all of these are good games. Even the number eight, the number seven, we enjoy playing them. We like them. Um, But I I think Arcane Wonders has some really, really great games. So... Jason, start us off with our number eight game from Arcane Wonders. All right, so our number eight, it was number eight on both of our lists, just because we haven't played it as much as the other ones, and we didn't remember it a ton. And that game is called Sherlock 13. Now, this is a a really simple deduction game where you're trying to figure out which disguise, who is the person I got it up here, uh, Arsene Lupin is dressed up as. So... The way that that works is on your everyone's going to be dealt a certain amount of cards, and one of the cards is going to be removed for the game, kind of like Clue or Mystery of the Abbey or whatever. And on your turn, you're going to ask either one person if they have um, at least one of a certain characteristic, like a pipe, a magnifying glass, um, a police badge, that kind of thing. So they're just like uh, there's like a whole bunch, like ten different symbols. Or you're going to ask. Uh, so that was to all players. Or you're going to ask one player if they have how many of a certain symbol they have. So ask everybody if they have at least one of something or ask one person how many of a certain symbol they have. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out which symbols you haven't heard from, heard about, and you're gonna that's going to help you narrow down which card is missing because each card has three different symbols. And if you know that this combination is not, no one's talked about it, then you can narrow it down to being that card. Um, it plays real fast. It's like, I don't know, a 20-minute game. And you can play it, shuffle it up, do it all again, and just have a good time. So Sherlock 13, number eight. Yeah, I really, obviously we know I love Sherlock um, Holmes as a general theme. The first time we played, I don't know. We played it at two, so I think, right? Just at two? Uh, I think we played it with Brandon and Josie, too. Oh, no, you're right. We did. We did play it at four. Yeah. I remember. I feel like I did not get it. I don't, I... I did really poorly. I it didn't make sense. I don't know why. I don't know why I was so bad at it. <laughs> it was terrible. Now you know how I feel at every single deduction game that we ever play. Well, that's what I don't understand. The same principles apply. So I don't know why I didn't. I didn't get this at all. And like, search for Planet X. I was like, oh yeah, I got this. Let's not speak of that one. Let's just. Uh... Oh my gosh, that one's so good, and I want to play it again. Like absolutely. Ooh, that reminds me. I should have our friends bring it this weekend. Oh yeah. Um. I think I need another go at this. Um, it's got Vincent Dutrait art, which uh, we're obviously Vincent Dutrait fans. One day he'll be our buddy, like Uncle Vital, but it, it looks good. I like deduction games. Again, this is on the simpler end, so I think it's a good way to help people who are bad at deduction, but apparently I am bad at simple deduction and can't play it. Um, I think we only played it the once, maybe twice, um, so that's kind of why it's ranked eight, but... It's still good. Still good. My, our number seven, not my number seven. It, it actually probably was, but um, our number seven is a good mob theme game. And I love those. And this game is called Good Critters. We have played this many times. And 
the people we play it with really like it. So in Good Critters, you are part of this mob. Everyone's part of this heist. Um, you take turns being the boss. And this is a party game because it can play up to eight. And everyone is, uh, we're at the part of the heist where we're dispensing the loot. The best part, right? It depends on if the boss likes you or not. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to make people mad. Here we go. Here we go. Right. It is definitely one of those. In some ways, it's take that, but it's so quick. It's such a fun way. So these loot cards come out. They're dispensed as the boss sees fit. And then everyone plays a card. I don't know why they play a card, but. You're trying to uh, either protect people from stealing your loot of you're trying to stick up someone else. Yeah, I don't, I don't I don't remember what the cards do exactly. Yeah, I don't know like thematically why you want to do it. Um everyone's got like their own um like I like identity personality or whatever. Um and there's all different kinds of loot values. Um and then yes, you play cards like you can guard your own stuff, you can rob somebody or you can skim a little bit off the top. Um, so you, it's like a, almost like a rock, paper, scissors in some ways. Like when you're playing on somebody else, like, are you playing to guard their stuff or are you playing to rob from them? And should they guard against their stuff? You're going to rob from them. But does that keep them from skimming a little bit? Um, there's lots of different things. And you've got the politics of voting for the next boss. Like who's going to be fair? Who might give you some kickbacks? You know, what is just like fun, lighthearted, life of crime, I think, kind of game, small box. And again, it plays quickly. So, you know, you can leave your grudges behind and move on in the next game and create new ones, um, which I think is always fun. So, uh, yeah, it's a fun game. I, I do like a good mob theme. And this one is a mob theme with anthropomorphic animals. So there you go. I like to play as Tooths. He's uh, a crocodile. I think he's a very good gangster. Uh, just a lot, a lot of fun, like lighthearted, a little bit take that kind of stuff. So our number seven is Good Critters. Yeah, the best part about this game is after the boss has given out the money, you get to put your, your little standee in front of somebody. And then they're like, oh, crap, what are you going to do? Are you going to do anything? And you're not even doing anything. You're just bluffing. You're making them use a card so they can't steal from you. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love the whole bluffing with the standee thing. That's my, my favorite part. All right, so number six is another party game, kind of, but this only plays the four people, which is real dumb. Um, <laughs> and it is Sheriff of Nottingham. I think it goes to five. Either way, like it could go to way more than that. Well. Uh, and this is a, a game where basically everyone's trying to smuggle these goods out of the out of Nottingham or into Nottingham, whatever. But the bags could possibly get ins inspected by the sheriff, and the, what that means is. You're going to put some cards into your bag, and you're going to snap it shut, and then you're going to pass it to the sheriff. The sh every player is going to take turns being sheriff. They can either decide to look in your bag. You can bribe them to not look in your bag. Other people can bribe them with money to look in your bag. Um, uh, just a whole bunch of craziness goes down during the looking at the bag stuff. And if they open your bag, and if you smuggled nothing but um, regular goods. Legal goods, yeah. Uh, yeah, legal goods, you're fine. But if you have illegal goods, which are red cards in there, the sheriff confiscates the cards, and I believe you may have to pay like a coin or two or something mm -hmm. as some kind of tax or penalty. But if they don't open your bag and they give it back to you, you could have had all legal goods in there, and you just made way more points because the illegal goods are better. So it's kind of that, you know, do you trust me? Do you not trust me? Even if you don't trust me, can I give you some money and who cares? That kind of thing. It's it's a fun game. Uh, we played it a lot and I, I don't know, I just am over it, I think. But it, it's not bad. I do kind of wish it played more players because I think when you're playing, playing this with six or seven will be just fine. Um, it's not that difficult or hard of a game. You just have to take some time to look through the bags. But you can get more people playing and having fun. But number six, Sheriff of Nottingham. Yeah, um, I really like this game. I think the reason why... You don't like it. There's a bit of social, I don't want to say social deduction in this, but it is like, who do I let pass? Who do I check? Um, you always check Brandon because one, he probably has too many cards in there and he's <laughs> lying to you. <laughs> well, that's that's true. Um, then you've got people who will like fly under the radar and really even legitimate goods, if you get them through every time 
or you cause someone to doubt that you're legitimate, that's a great way to gain money. And also by not offering bribes, then you are retaining your money. So there's a lot of different elements. It's fun and ridiculous. Again, kind of in that good critters vein where um, who, who, who am I going to check just out of spite? Who, who am I going to make my enemy or my friend? Whose palm am I going to grease? All those fun things. Yeah, I, I enjoy it. We haven't played it for a long time. I would like to play it again. And if the sheriff opens your bag and you're, you don't have illegal goods in there, they have to give you money, which is what Katie was alluding to, which is pretty cool, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, our number five is another classic game because uh, Sheriff Nottingham was an early acquisition to our collection. And this game was as well because it is such a foundational game. And that is Royals. I don't know why I like this game, but I actually do because it is um, it really is about area control. <laughs> I guess I feel like I have a chance to win at Royals where I don't in other area control games. And so um, Royals, the reason why I think it's so foundational is that a lot of people start their gaming um, kind of trajectory with Ticket to Ride, which is where you're drawing colors of trains and playing them down in sets. You are also doing that in Royals, but it's not trains. It's like colors that correspond to different countries. And you are collecting these country cards in order to put your markers on these influential positions in the country. Um, the higher the rank of the title, the more cards of that country that you're going to need to play. And so you're kind of duking it out for these different spaces um, based on the different amounts of cards you have. You score like three times over the course of the game um, as you're kind of working on your victory points. So you may see like, oh yeah, I need to work harder at this different title or this different area, trying to get some bonuses, um, trying to take over some other people. It's just like good, simple, fun. Like it's just such a solid playing game. Like it's, it is a simple game, but I think it's ranked so high because it's just like, it's quality mechanics. It's, it's just a good game. Um, it's like, there's, it can be a little bit of spite. Like, why are you drafting those cards? You know, stay out of Ireland. Like, I got this under control. Or like, what are you doing in France? Like, leave. I was fine with France. Stay out. You know, um, it's just it's just that kind of nice, relaxed, um, but I think fun game to play. So our number five is Royals. Yeah, it really, if you can, if you play Ticket to Ride, this is like the next step. You know, you understand the card play. You just have to learn what area control or area majority is. And the components are really cool, too, because if there's, like, shared uh, control at the end, you can break this tile. Like, it's like a puzzle piece. You can break it in half, and everybody gets half the points, which is an easy way to remember that. Mm -hmm. So cool. everything about this game is super, e like, like non-gamer friendly, new gamer friendly. Rules are easy to understand. It's it's great. It's a really fun game. It's kind of It can get kind of mean, but it is fun. All right, so our number four is a game that actually could have been in the game's played section, because we did just play this. And it is called Furnace. And this is a game that I think was released in America from Arcane Wonders this year at Gen Con, or last year at Gen Con. And this is effectively an, a tableau engine building game where you're auctioning for these factories that are out in the center of the table. If you win the factory, the card comes into your tableau. If you don't win the factory, you get some kind of compensation, which means basically there's some icons at the top of the card, which are either going to let you transform some goods into other goods based on the number that you have in your bidding tile, or you're going to get some goods based on the number that you have. So if there's a two coal cube and I play a two on that card, I'm going to get four coal cubes because it's two times two, that kind of thing. Then after all the cards are taken from the center line, everybody's going to order their cards and compensation. Then you're going to run your production line. You're going to run all the factories in your production line that you have. You may not be able to run them all, but any that you can run, you can run them. You're going to try to transform all of your goods basically into money so you're going to transform goods into better goods to sell those goods for money or sometimes you can transform goods directly into money and that's amazing the point of the game is over four rounds you want to have more money than everybody else and that's it everybody has an asymmetric uh, capitalist power that's going to help you along your journey to make the most money but outside of that auctioning running your factory that's the game so this time, we played it at two players before, which was a little different because you play a you use a die and it, it does some of the bidding on the cards to block them off. But we played it at four this time, and I think that it probably needs to have real players because that's kind of where it shines. So, what did you think about Furnace this time? I liked it. I think the the more I play it, the better I do. It reminds me of oh, Fantastic Factories. 
in oh yeah a little bit yeah i can see that yeah i mean how you obtain cards in some ways is a little bit different um but deciding what to run and making sure you have factories that are allowing you to generate points and you know the most effective points i also really like the bidding mechanism because sometimes you just want the goods off of a card and so you're trying not to actually take the card because you actually want to just use the card and move on with what you have. But then somebody makes you take the stupid card because they're jerks. <laughs> right. Or they're just playing their own game and not paying attention to you and you just happen right, to end yeah. up taking the card. Um, yep. I, the player powers, all of them are like super great. It reminds me of Marco Polo where you're like, I absolutely want that player power. It seems OP. And you're like, oh, well, yours, that one does too. Well, and that one does too. I, I love that. I think that that's really good. Um, you know, there's one where it allows you to place an extra disc and you're like, whoo, that's way OP. But mine, I was like, you can place your disc without abiding by the regular rules. And if you tie someone, you actually just get the resources from the card. So that's a way to not take a card when it seems like you might. Like they're, they're all really good. I like that about it. The artwork is hideous and kind of stupid. It actually reminds me of a Marty Wallace game. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it's it's really stark white with just a factory on the cards. So that's it. <laughs> it's yeah, it, it screams industrial revolution, um, which I guess is thematic, so that's fine. Um, but the gameplay is good. I like that tableau building um, that you run, which you can run, and to like sort that out sometimes is a puzzle by itself. You're like, okay, guys, I just got to do this. Um, Again, play with people that you trust so that they're running their factories correctly. Um, but when we played it last, it was like a really, it was a, a fairly tight game for the most part. Yeah, we were mostly pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. But I won by one point, so that felt good. Or maybe three points. But it felt good either way. And it is like, because you don't, you can't always tell. Like, you can see maybe what their points are adding up to. But you're like, oh, are they going to get the stuff they need to run? the factories they need to to make that many points again on the next round um so it really is like kind of intense and you're not sure how it's going until the end when you total everything up and i, I like that about it yeah it's good furnace yep so that's our number four furnace we kind of did a games played recap as well but since we played it we might as well talk about it so number four <laughs> furnace right and so you obviously know why it belongs at number four on our list um number three is smartphone inc we now actually own this game and we need to play it again um, because I was really struck by how fun it is. It definitely has an economic element to it, but there's so much else going on that it doesn't, that mathiness doesn't diminish my joy. So in Smartphone Inc., I love the theme. You are a CEO of a smartphone producing company and we're talking over the world. So you're going to these different places to work on your market research, to um, develop your factory, to like make networks in different places because um, you're trying to be the most profitable. And is it you're going to do that by giving discounts? You're going to do that by offering um, different I don't want to say different technologies that other companies aren't maybe going to a different region that doesn't have a different company's representation in it. Uh there's just a lot of things going on on this and you can go about it in a variety of ways. And again, multi-pass of victory obviously is one of my favorite things because I don't want you to tell me how to play my game. So that's what's so great about, about smartphone Inc. I think um, that maybe I'm going to try to get the most different kinds of technologies in um, available for my smartphone company so that I can, no matter where I go, I'm going to be able to provide stuff to the market. Um, and then someone else like, oh, well, I want to just make the most connections in the market so that I have a bigger expanse and I'm not going to spend as much time on some of these technologies when I can just go heavy and hard in the places that, you know, my company is going to thrive. I think gosh, there's so much to it. There's a lot of intricacies to it in some ways, but there's like pretty, they've broken down to like eight simple phases and you follow those. And after a turn around or so, you're like, okay, I totally get this. Um, which makes it helpful in a game that could look overwhelming. Um, and you're just trying to become the richest player. And I, I, I think the theme is really cool. Um, I, there's just a lot of good things going for this game. Um, so yeah, uh, that's why Smartphone Inc. is our number three. 
Yeah, I would like to play this again. I remember really liking it, but man, I'm having a I'm having trouble remembering anything except the little player action selection thing. I know you're putting cubes out that have to do with Wi-Fi and 5G or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, oh, yeah I, I and that's really the, like it. Remember, this is the one where you didn't realize it was like the home screen of a smartphone, how you choose your actions. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. I, yeah, I, I'm not good at seeing that stuff. To me, it's just a mechanism that I miss all the other stuff. But yeah, once we talked about it, I, did, like, oh, I thought it was clever. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so our number two is a, it was Katie's number one. It was not my number one. Um, but I do enjoy this game. And this game is one we picked up at either Gen Con or Origins last year. And it is called Picture Perfect. And this is a game where you're trying to set up these little standee people. There's like people, there's plants, there's a dog. You're trying to get them around this table in certain configurations that they work with these three scoring cards that they have like maybe if i have the lady in yellow she wants to stand next to the dog or she wants to be in the back of the table or she doesn't want to be next to the boy so i'm trying to arrange these people by how they want to score the trick here is you don't know how everybody wants to score you may see some of the cards you may not but you're going to start with some and as the game progresses they're going to get passed around so there may be some new ones that you see there may be some that you have that you get rid of so you got to remember so you're trying to make the the best decisions that you can with what you know, while also maybe scoring some points for the ones that you don't know just out of sheer luck. And at the end of the game, you're effectively taking like a picture of these people standing around this table. That's why it's called picture perfect. You want to have the perfect picture. And then you're going to get points based on how well you did by with each of these people. If you can get one of the things correct, you get no, you, you get no points, but you don't lose any points. If you get two correct, you get some points. And if you get all three of them correct, you get better points. If you get nothing right, you lose some points, I believe, if they're out there. Yeah. And you're just, you're just trying to get the most points for all these characters to try to win the game. And that's it. It's a nice little puzzle. It only it plays real fast, like six or five or six rounds or something like that. And the rounds are just over when everybody's done. So depending on how quickly people play, the game will go quicker. And it, it's a real fun game. I like it. Not as much as Katie, but I do like it. So number two, picture perfect. Yeah, I've actually taught this game a lot. So I'm I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> at how the game goes um because each each different piece or player that you have to arrange around this table which the components are cool because you've got a 3d table you've got your mat you've got your backdrop for me as someone who's terrible with spatial manipulation it is so helpful like it that's why i think i like this game so much is i can puzzle it out but actually moving stuff around and I can, I can see it. Um, and each of the different pieces that you're moving around has three things that they want. And because it's a random mix, sometimes they are um, contradictory. So you have to decide like which one is going to work. And as you're trying to fulfill someone else's desires, like, Ooh, and like envelopes are being passed around with what each person wants. So you either are trying to hold on to one, trying to remember that what you've passed on as you're trying to set up everybody else to get into their their ideal spot around the table. Like that, I think, is so interesting. Um, that puzzle is really fun. Um and then information is just spread around in a, a variety of ways. So you may see all the envelopes or you there's some you may never see. And making that choice of, okay, I've never seen, um, you know, this plant and what the plant wants in the picture. Do I leave the plant off of the picture or do I just put the plant on anyway in a way that I hope will work out for somebody else? Because not matching someone's desires at all. Yeah, that's negative points. I think it's negative three points. But not putting anything on the board gives you zero. But if you match even at least one, you get a point. Um, so so sometimes the risk is worth it because you can get a reward. Uh, and and then just that. And everyone's table looks different at the end. I Yeah, I, I really, really like this game. It's super fun. Um, the box art is weird. Because the yeah, perspective it, is off. It doesn't suck you in very much with the box, no, doesn't it? Um, but the gameplay, I think, is is really fun. And for puzzly, like people people who maybe like Sudoku or people who like some of those kind of things, like this is such a good game. I love it. Okay, so a game that was my number two, and I believe Jason's number one. Is that how this works? Yeah, that's correct. Yep. 
which why does my number one get number two in your oh because it was ranked lower than number two on yours correct yes yes okay your your wizardry it was number three on mine picture perfect was (laughs) your wizard your numbers wizardry number one is a game that we also oh by the way picture perfect we sat and played with the designer oh that's true himself and i played terribly but once i learned it i'm like yeah i got this game uh, but number one, we also picked up about the same time that we picked up Picture Perfect. Um, I think it was at Origins, actually. Um, the game is Four Gardens. And of course, you know, it's an Asian-themed game. It's got pagodas. I was totally in. And then for Jason, it has a it has definitely a gimmick with an actual pagoda that you build and spin that goes in the center of the table. So he was in, too. Um, the thing about Four Gardens, you're trying to complete these landscapes and you're finished. There's sets of different pictures that you're trying to complete. And you're making this panoramic view of the garden that allows you to, which with each piece that you complete, you're moving up on these scoring tracks. How you complete those pieces is by collecting these different resources. There's like rocks and... Um, water. Ra- rocks and Bamboo. water... Yes, I was like something green and wood and wood. So all the basic things that you would find in a garden. So you're collecting those to complete these pieces. You collect those by the rotation of the pagoda tower. And what's really cool about this is you're drawing these cards. These cards can be used to complete these landscapes, but the cards also need to be used to complete actions. You can't take an action unless you play a card that has the action on it. And that is where, again, I love that with card play, like multi-use cards. Do I want to keep this? Can I get rid of it? Um, And they do different things. Like the cards may allow you just to get a free resource and you're like, awesome, I want that. Or um, they're going to allow you to collect resources from the tower. When you collect resources from the tower, it's also going to spin the tower. So manipulating what you see on each different side. And you can only collect as much as you can have in your wheelbarrow. So you're trying to decide, okay, am I going to get to the items I need if I spin the tower and collect from the bottom up or from the top down? Like, there's a lot of really interesting choices that are made in this game. Um, There are some things about it I don't like. Scoring. The scoring is not fun. The scoring can be a little take that because... Once you reach the end of a scoring track, you're allowed you instead of moving up further, you move other people back and you can move them completely off the track, which means they don't score at all. And I just think that's too mean. Um, And you're like constantly then duking it out for the end. I just feel like you should be able to get the points that you get. So in some ways, we've house ruled some of that. Um, Another thing is the rule book isn't great. We had to infer some things and. Well, like we named the wheelbarrow. Yeah, this was originally published in Korea. So I'm assuming some of it was probably just translation issues when Arcane Wonder brought it over. But you'd think they would clean that up still. But the game still is really fun. I love a good little set collection name, resource game, resource management, hand management. How do I make the best use of these multiplayer cards? Um, You can complete landscapes that are only like two cards um, across. And that'll give you points or... But and it's quick, so you're resolving them quickly, or you can get more scoring opportunities with like a five card panorama. But you're having to work harder to get those cards and get the right cards that you need to complete that panorama, as well as the resources that you need for it. So there's some really interesting balancing things happening here. The components are really cool. That big pagoda, obviously awesome, um, and that mechanism where you're turning different parts of it at different times and what is presented to you on that part of the pagoda is what you get and do you start from the bottom or you start from the top like ah like that is is really cool about this game so yeah our number one is four gardens yeah everything katie said is amazing my favorite part is the multi-use cards using it to build something using it for the action or using it to collect resources so they can be used in one of three ways the tower, I mean, that's the selling point right there. Who doesn't want to spin a pagoda that's sitting at the middle of the table and just looking awesome? I mean, and the side you're sitting on matters, which is cool too. So it's not just there to be weird. It's there as everyone's specific resource generator, which is really cool. Um, great game. 
And the nice thing about all these games that we've talked about today, with maybe the exception of smartphone, you can play these with people who are just getting into gaming because they're all pretty like welcoming, easy to learn, easy to play, easy to teach games. And, you know, that's kind of where Arcane Wonder shines, I think, is the the lighter entry-level game. And I love that. Like, I think that's important that there are um, publishers who are putting out games that for us as gamers make it easy to introduce people to the hobby. Um, and I think the variety of uh, theme, you know, the different types of mechanics that are being taught in these different games, um, yeah, makes it just just an ideal um, kind of publisher for us as both gamers and hopefully converting non-gamers. <laughs> gaming ambassadors, that's what I like to say. Mm. I always like to say proselytizing <laughs> people. Yeah, that's true. You know. Okay. Well, those are our favorite Arcane Wonders games. I believe there are more. There are many, many more. We just talked about the eight that we know really well and we own. So what do you think? Are these your favorite Arcane Wonders games? Do you know some other Arcane Wonders games that are better? What did we miss? What should we be playing? What should we be buying? Um, Because we obviously think this is a great publisher. Tell us on our Facebook page, our Facebook group, hashtag The Riveted, on our Instagram, on our Twitter, on our Discord channel, um, you know, any any way on our YouTube. We love to hear from you, getting suggestions for new games, talking about games. We'll talk, you know, pro strat tips, whatever. We just love communicating with people that, for some reason, listen to a pretty okay podcast. Because people are just uh, gluttons for punishment, apparently. What's that word? Masochists? Yes. Does that mean that we're sadistic and just inflict this terrible (laughs) thing onto people? Apparently. I mean, at least we're not pooping in their bed. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get me started. (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) People people have no idea what that is. Like, what? Why did I go out pooping in people's beds? (laughs) We've we've made too many political references this time. (laughs) Let's go back to... Our movie references, Be Cool and The Big Lebowski. <laughs> but actually, neither one watch with your children. I don't think so. Be Cool mm. might be okay. Yeah, Be Cool is not bad. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, obviously, we have derailed per usual. What do you expect from us? So, to Hopefully wrap not this, a lot. <laughs> I hope not. If They would have jumped out a long time ago. If this is your first episode, I apologize now. We won't see you for episode 216. <laughs> yep. But I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming. You had to bring up the bed pooping. You had to bring it up. I had to bring it up.